The team to beat in 1934 were the reigning premiers, the Foreign Legion, with the team of talented imports taking the flag from Richmond in 1933. Other teams started to employ a similar tactic to build their teams up. Richmond, however, got off to a flyer looking very dangerous, while South's form was actually up and down. Collingwood was back near the top with an injection of youth. North Melbourne's optimism didn't last long, and Footscray's coach found himself in an interesting predicament. The Brownlow medal race ends in an interesting circumstance, and Carlton and Collingwood revisit the animosity of the 1910 Grand Final. All this and more coming up after the song. It's the history of football we knows about And we want to expand what we know We'll become such intelligent gentry With every kick-to-kick -kick show Beginning in the time 1870s Right through to the modern day Tune in for Timmy Coops and the Kazman To hear what they all have to say Welcome to the 1934 episode of the Kick to Kick podcast. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. welcome we welcome, are welcome. all finally in this room together. I can't believe I it. It's beautiful. It's cramped. Um, Kazman. <laughs> Why? What's going on? What welcome, Kazman. Hi. <laughs> How are you today? Oh, good, thank you. Excellent. Coops, good to have you back. Thank you. It's good to be here. And Moz. A delight again, Commission. A delight again. Thank you. <laughs> um, we're all in here to talk about the 1933 podcast. 34. You, 34, sorry. 33 was our last one. Yes. If you are just discovering this podcast, welcome. Welcome. Um, welcome we welcome. have been recording this for welcome, nigh welcome, on welcome. two years now. Can you believe it? I know. Everything's almost, changed. Almost 50 episodes. Yeah. So welcome. Uh, I recommend going back and listening to the past seasons. Yes. Especially, there's some good ones in there. Uh, 1900, <laughs> 1925. <laughs> um, yeah, come on, <laughs> yeah. As a Melbourne supporter, that I'm going to look better than ever. Get around recently. them. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yes, but welcome to the podcast, especially listeners in Algeria and Morocco. Oh, good on them, finally. Nice. Yeah. Sitting around the shisha pipe, wearing it a fez with their favourite team emblazoned upon it, I hope. You'd imagine. Uh, yeah, I, uh, that's what I'm picturing. Yeah, in a tiny yeah, oasis. Yeah. Having yeah. Them in their camels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> um, right, so talking about 34 season, let's start with a little bit of news, Charlie. News from the year, yeah. 1934. Yeah, what kind of year was it? It was a great year. Great year. Guys, it was a fantastic year. Excellent. Lots happened. Um, spe special specifically to Melbourne as well, we'll get to that in a second, um, hit song for the year was I Only Have Eyes For You by Scott Wood and his orchestra. Oh, as in the, the classic one. Yeah. I love a, it. a bit of a croon, I think. I love it. Yeah, it's a good croon. Uh, well... Let's see what happened in the events of 1934. Starting strong on January 7th, the Flash Gordon comic strip was first published. Fantastic. Classic, right. The Flash. Yeah, well, baby. Not The Flash, Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon, yeah, well, the, the, the Flash, Flash. No, The Flash is a different character. What? The Flash is uh, like the fast Yeah, the fast one. I thought Flash Gordon was no, the Flash same Gordon's guy. No, Flash Gordon's a completely different sort character. Sort of like a guy, sort of like a strong sort of dude. Um, yeah, is that right? there's yeah. that whole movie is he was in, The Queen did the soundtrack. Yeah. It's yeah. nothing to do with The Flash. Ah. Uh. Oh, no, no. He's on the... Yeah, I thought it was the same guy. It's not. Yeah, okay. No. Right, there you go. <laughs> All right. Um, the, on the 20th of January, Fuji Photo was established, the company. Fuji Film. Um, Fuji Film, yeah. exactly. On the 3rd of March, John Dillinger broke out of, the, out of jail, the famous bank robber, and he broke out with a wooden gun, and he crossed a state line which allowed the FBI to begin hunting him. Nice. Um... On the 21st of April, the very famous photo, which is called the surgeon's photograph of uh, the, a London doctor 
that he took of the Loch Ness monster oh. <laughs> was taken, and it took until 1994, 60 years, for it to be proved an elaborate hoax. <laughs> That's a long time. Isn't it? Yeah. On the 5th of May, the first Three Stooges short film was released. And on the 23rd of May, the American outlaws Bonnie and Clyde were ambushed and killed by police. On the 10th of June, the 1934 World Cup final was staged and Italy beat Czechoslovakia 2-1 after extra time. Uh, on the 22nd of July, as a bit of a throwback, John Dillinger was shot dead by the FBI agent. So he didn't last that long. Oh, he didn't have a w- yeah. wooden gun to no, fight back. No, exactly. Oh, no, Those wooden bullets gun. didn't yeah. really work out too well for him. Um, on the 2nd of August, Adolf Hitler became the Führer of Germany. Oh. So he became the head of state combined with the... I think he was already the Chancellor and the President died, so he became oh, yeah. the Führer. Uh, on... Oh, yeah? No, no. No, nothing? <laughs> <laughs> on September 15th, there was a federal election in Australia and uh, Joseph Lyons was re-elected with a decreased majority, but he was forced to resume the coalition with the country party at this stage. You know, we haven't had a change in Prime Minister for a for while. For a while. When we think about we had so many. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, on the 15th of October, Captain Cook's cottage was open to the public after being dismantled in England and shipped to Australia and reassembled in Fitzroy Gardens. <laughs> As you do. Um, from October 20th yeah, to November 3rd, Charles Kingsford Smith made the first eastward crossing of the Pacific Ocean. Um, his Hawaii to San Francisco leg was the first eastward fright, flight from Hawaii to North America. Right. On the 11th of November, the Shrine of Remembrance in Melbourne was dedicated. On the 27th of December, Persia became Iran. Mm. And there are a couple of unknown dates here. Obviously, the first uh, Tuesday in November, Peter Pan won the Melbourne Cup. Uh, Australia defeated England 2-1 in the Ashes, which was held in England. And the first ute was produced by Ford in Geelong. Oh, that's a good one. How good's that? Love that. There we go. Now, do we want to mention the whole centenary thing as well? Yes, please. So 1934 was Melbourne's 100th birthday. So Melbourne was founded um, by Faulkner, I think it was, in 1835, and 1934 being the 100th year. 100th year, there you go, yeah. Which was quite um, an event. The word federation, uh, sorry, the word centenary was tacked onto everything that year, apparently. Oh, really? Um, And one of the ways to celebrate was um, they held a celebratory air race from London to Melbourne. Oh, yes, yes. The McRobertson Centenary Air Race. It was organised... Um, the Great Air Race started in the RAF Millenhawk, Suffolk, England. Took two days, 23 hours and 18 seconds to land the plane, the quickest plane in uh, Melbourne at Flemington Racecourse. What a way to celebrate Whoa. a centenary. Yeah. Around the race. world race. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. I kind of envisage hot air balloons and Victorian Yeah, style. like a Jules Verne yeah. Yeah, yeah, around yeah, the world in 80 days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> love it. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. That was what... I yeah, I like interesting. I, I like that. To celebrate. Like yeah. Mm. Uh, so, a few people born in 1934. Would you like to hear? Please. Um, on the 26th of January, Ruby Langford uh, Guinnaby, the Indigenous author and historian. On February February 11th, Manuel Noriega, the Panamanian military dictator. <laughs> I really like him. On um, Valentine's Day, Florence Henderson, the American actress, yeah, better Carol known Brady. as Carol Brady. <laughs> 
on the 15th of February, Graham Kennedy, the entertainer. And on the 17th of February, Barry Humphreys was Ooh. born. Ah. Same year. Yeah, same year. Two days apart. Wow. On the 9th of March, Yuri Gar- uh, Gagarin, the cosmonaut. Yuri the first human. Gagarin, yeah. The first human in space. On the 3rd of April, Jane Goodall was born. Hmm. On the 24th of April, Shirley MacLaine. On the 3rd of May, Where's Frankie that? Valley. Thank you, Ali. Oh. Born. And on the 11th of July, Giorgio Armani. <laughs> on September 21st, Leonard Cohen. Yep. The fantastic singer-songwriter. On the 28th of September, Bridget Bardot. On the 2nd of November, Ken Rosewall, the tennis champion. On the 12th of November, Charles Manson, <laughs> the American cult leader. And uh, on the 9th of December, Judy Dench. Quite an array. <laughs> Quite an array of people Quite there. I like it. <laughs> All right. So let's get stuck into the 1934 centenary season. The centenary season. <laughs> centenary. Which... Because it's football season and that's the reason it's the time of the year that we love. As I said, everyone tacked centenary onto it, um, mm-hmm. but it made the premiership quite desirable more so than more so any than other year. Any other year, yeah. yeah. Um, everyone wanted to win the centenary premiership. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's not a heap of league news from this year. A few things I'll mention. Um, the first one being the flick pass. Yes, back we were just uh, having a play around with that before. Yeah, in that the, was uh, fun. Yeah, a bit of practice. Um, so the flick pass is like a handball, um, but like you kind of. I don't know, how would you describe it, Cass? You kind of come around like. Rather than punching at the ball, right, you can't kind of come around the back of it and just like flick it away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it, like a swat. Yeah. It's like a backhand that's in front of you or something. An open hand pass. I've got this book, book here, the Australian Football Handbook. Yes. You can see, how old is this? Uh, quite old. I cannot see. Um, it says, similar action to the punch pass, or handball, yeah. <laughs> um, except that the hand remains open and strikes the ball mainly with taut fingers. Ah. Uh-huh. Taught. Yes, taught you wouldn't want them floppy or it wouldn't so go very still, far. I always, like, before they'd explained it properly, oh, I go. always thought the flick pass was basically a throw. It basically well, is. Well, right but you still got to have both hands. Like, yeah. you can't throw it. Yeah. No, it's not a blatant throw. It's not it? a blatant yeah. throw. It's a... Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it it's is like, a it's throw. A, it's a nifty... It's a throw, but it's coming Whoa. out of that other yeah. hand. It's a nifty little yeah. pass, isn't it? Yeah, it's nifty. Like, you wouldn't actually... Like it's quite quick. You could you could get away with yeah, really exactly. good passes and yeah, and sneaky little passes. And you don't really have to have control of it before you get rid of it. You no. can kind of do that. Yeah, which is you good. can have it semi. Yeah. A couple yeah. of little elegant ones in the middle of the ground would look would look elegant, wouldn't it? Yeah, very. Yeah. Um, I feel but if we um, keep playing with this ball, though, we're going to... Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Smash them. Someone's Adam, going down. Adam missed out on one, though. Um, and I've got uh, the gold mic. Another, <laughs> another really complicated thing to adjudicate. If I were a crap, was there, it'd probably be okay. He'd be fine. It, yeah. yeah. That's why like it wasn't. Fingers. Yeah, yeah that's... <laughs> he kept a tight leash on the game. He didn't allow that sort of crap to get in. Um, <laughs> another thing that you probably read about as well, Charlie, was the, uh, the standardised football size. Yes. Which uh, Russell Holmes, we mentioned in one of his books, yeah, yeah, so he was which, more than the game. Um, 58 centimetres around the belly of the football. Yeah, and slightly longer than what they'd been used to playing with yeah, in the past. Yeah, which made it Ooh. easier to kick and mark. Easier to kick and mark and to kick straight. Yeah. Which was, as Russell said, probably one of the big reasons why... Bags of goals. Bags of goals were kicked this year. Well, if it, it can be kicked straight, why don't we bring it back? Yeah, is it di- has it changed <laughs> it's again? Yeah. I'm sure it has, yeah. yeah. Well, why could they quick throw straight then if they're using the same ball now? Yeah, I mean, no. Yeah, no. Or maybe, I mean, in the past, though, they've been used to 
like the big fat but also like blokes were kicking you know they're kicking eight goals yeah but they're kicking seven points and then three out on the full as well (laughs) so maybe yeah yeah maybe their straight is our our version of not all that great possibly yeah um the other thing that happened again uh was a a a football ball anna they did this in 1933 the league had a ball in september Mm -hmm. oh i've is that the same ball i've been reading about possibly a centenary ball it was it was a centenary ball (laughs) good Um, (laughs) where is it i want to see it it was a cabaret theme lovely people in attendance at the uh palais de dance in st kilda the room was decorated with hundreds of football-shaped balloons. Um, through are, all my research, though, I couldn't find any evidence of an ugly man contest this year. No, damn it, because oh, that was my Has favorite. Has that been a thing? The last yeah, year there was an ugly man contest. <laughs> oh, dear. It. Um, Something I would win. Oh, oh yeah. I beg to differ, Kaz. Self-deprecating. We do have a face for podcasts, Kaz. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, the only other thing I found league news-wise was some new umpires making their debut. Oh, oh yeah, one named Alan Coward. <laughs> not a great oh, name. No. Coward. Not a great one. <laughs> and the other one's got a good alliterated name for you, Charlie Dudley Disher. Yeah, good. Oh, yeah. Mm. Sounds like Dudley a great um, name for a greyhound. Dudley Disher. Dudley Disher. <laughs> and Alan Coward. <laughs> Umpire Coward. Hopefully they can call that out from the sidelines. <laughs> You're a coward. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get stuck into the season. Um, Moz and Kazman, you guys going to go? Uh, how, how are we going to do this today? Oh, Moz, please. Well, I've, got, I've already got something. All right, Kazel, I'll you, go first. Hear your sultry tones. <laughs> Wait, dulcet I meant to say. The other one was a bit, that was a bit wrong. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'll take sultry, especially because I'm a bit dulcet nasally tones. at the moment. <laughs> well, it's not... A great season for North Melbourne. Finishing on the bottom with zero wins and 18 losses. Poor little guys. Um, (laughs) Ending with, obviously, zero points and a percentage of 66.4. Mm. Yeah, not pretty. No. no, but fans were optimistic going in as well. They, they were. They, they thought things were turning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they'd they been oh. well above the uh, the other two well, newer finished, entrants. They'd finished well, not the last two seasons. They'd finished eighth the last two seasons. Footscray finished seventh the last two. Seasons. Sorry, yeah, yeah. But that's optimism. When they won three previous wooden spoons, that was you know, yeah, they were feeling good. Up and up. Mm. Yeah. Um, so they started the season, um, Captain coached by Dick Taylor and finished it captain coached by Tom Fitzmorris and their lead goal kicker was Fitzmorris with 63 mm. yeah I'll get into a little bit of their season there's not many highlights as you can imagine round 5 was a highlight in parts they kicked 10 goals 2 in the first quarter against Melbourne well done which was a North Melbourne record until 1981 God. which is incredible when you think it happened in a season where they didn't win a single game <laughs> Um, they would, however, lose this game. Yeah. And we'll yeah. find out about that later. Uh, round 10, they had a five-point loss to Hawthorne at Glen Ferry, and this proved to be Dick Taylor's last game as coach of the team. Um, it was the week after he played his 200th game as well. Oof. Uh, and Dick Taylor, I think, had come from Melbourne. Uh, Melbourne yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Maybe not. Um, he, in an explosive interview in the Herald following the game, Taylor said he was disgusted with the team feeling he could do nothing more with them and that he intended to resign as a player but would continue as a non-playing coach if wanted. He is quoted as saying that what's the point of battling your heart out for a team like that? Um, he also heavily criticised the Coulter Law as well, calling it a farce. Oh, really? Yeah, mm. especially with teams like South Melbourne. Yeah. Um, ultimately, the league did not want... The um, committee did not want him to continue on captain... Also coaching them either. In his place, Tom Fitzmaurice was elevated to captain coach. Yeah. 
Um, the closest North came to a win was twice going down by two points, once to Melbourne in round five, and then again to Carlton in round 17. Uh, Tom Fitzmaurice had a pretty good season, though. I think Was he their leading goal kicker? He was, yeah, 63. Yeah. Um, and the only other thing is, this is the 10th year North Melbourne's been in the league. Yep. Um, they've got a winning percentage of 16.8 across that time with five wooden spoons. If you compare that to St Kilda, St Kilda's was 13% for seven spoons. So not as bad as St Kilda, but and not the worst of uh, the three teams. When you say St Kilda at that same stage? In the first 10, ga- yeah, 10, in their seasons, first 10 yeah. season. Okay, yeah. 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 It takes time. It's a little bit better so, than St Kilda, but not much. Gold Coast fans out there, yeah. just, you know. Yeah. Keep trooping. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Let's move on. Awesome. Me? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Alrighty. Coming in, in second last place was Hawthorne. Um, they managed to win three and they lost 15 uh, with a percentage of 67.8. So only a slightly higher percentage yeah. than North. Yeah, but with three games. But, but they snuck three in. Yeah. Mm. So captained by Bert Mills and coached by Bill Toomey, their lead goal kicker was Jack Green with 80, yeah, 80 so goals. He was a recruit who'd Ooh. come across from Carlton. Yeah, 80 goals in three winning games. Not bad. Which was a record until Paul Peter Hudson came yes. to the team. Yes, hung around for a long time. Yeah, again for a team that didn't win many games, Miles. That's mm. impressive. Yeah. Would you be Would you be happy in that team, but still able to kick 80 with that many goals? Yeah. Yeah. No. I don't think so. Um, the other disappointing thing is that they reverted back to their other jumper. The, uh, the brown jumper with the yellow What do you mean? V. The mustard pots are gone. The mustard pots are gone. <laughs> Damn and it. If you saw their jumper from last year, was the reverse of this. So last season, 33 was Full yellow. yellow. Uh, sorry, gold. Gold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. gold with the brown V. Yeah, that does so sound like were, it would look. They were nicknamed the mustard pots. Mustard pots. Yeah, Much cute. more stately, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, now sadly they've gone back. They've reverted. Um, so, yeah, as we said, Jack Green came into the team. Um, kicking a bag of goals. He kicked eight in a loss to South Melbourne in round five. Round six was their first win, which was a one-goal defeat of Footscray at Glen Ferry. They came from behind in a low-scoring affair. In round 10, they beat North Melbourne in that, as I would call it, a coach-killing game. Yes. Um, in a dreadful showing of skills, the last quarter produced a total of seven behinds. Oh. Oh. Luckily, they got the win. North lost their coach. Yeah. <laughs> round, round 15, they're probably their best win was a two-point thriller over Essendon. Um, Essendon were coming hard at them in the final quarter, but they managed to hold on, and that was their final win of the season. Um, and so their record over the last 10 years has been slightly worse than North Melbourne. A yeah, I was going to say, it would be. 16.2. 16.2? For four wooden spoons. So less wooden spoons? One less, yeah. Ah, oh, okay. Because, this year? Uh, no, it was those two seasons ago when Essendon, they beat Essendon in the last round. To <laughs> That's right. That's oh. right. Otherwise, you, North and Hawthorne would have show, shared the last All 10. of them, yeah. yeah. No, it had to be bloody Essendon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, and a quick de- a debutante for Hawthorne was Dick Abichair. Nice. Yes. I like it. Moving on. Kaz? Moss. Kaz. Oh, I think I think we should just. What do you guys reckon? We just let Anna do the. Yeah, whole yeah, yeah, come on, bring it on. Yeah, All right, in tenth position this season was Essendon, five wins, thirteen losses, a percentage of eighty-three point five. Yes, yeah, so captained by Keith Forbes and coached by Charlie May, their lead goal kicker was um, Ted Freyer with sixty-one. Uh, just behind him was their co- uh, yeah captain Keith Forbes with forty-seven. So, not a not a lot uh, 
Yeah, not a lot between them. They're, I mean, the uh, the best of them were obviously Dick Reynolds in his, his second, second year. year. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, we'll learn about him later. <laughs> won the best and fairest yes. already in his second year. He's doing, looking pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Charlie May was a new coach. He had been an ex-player, part of the Mosquito Fleet. Yes. Back in the uh, early 20s. He'd been coaching the twos uh, and was elevated. One of the debutantes was a man named Elton Plummer. I like that name. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> round one saw an excellent victory over Footscray. They scored 125 points in an 11-point win. Forbes with five, Luff and Oki with four, Dick Reynolds best on ground. Fantastic. Round five. In a loss to Richmond, Essendon lost Paddy Walsh and promising youngster Kevin Hardiman, and both would miss the rest of the year. So injuries not doing well at Essendon. Round eight. Saw Essendon take home the Coulthard Shield, the highest score for the season. 29 goals, 16, 190. Huge. Against a hapless North Melbourne. Forbes with eight. Ted Frey with seven. This would be their highest score against North Melbourne until the 2000 qualifying final. Wow. Oh, really? Yep. Uh, Dick Reynolds huge. again starring, two goals, two Brownlow votes. I want to see that qualifying final. Oh, it's a, it is a good game, Kaz. I'm going to watch it with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, round 12. In Essendon's loss to Footscray, Keith Forbes was reported and suspended for four matches for attempting to kick Leo Ryan. Uh, he was reported by the umpire. So over the next few weeks, because of his uh, suspension, Keith Forbes being a rover, uh, this meant Dick Reynolds was elevated to the role of like number one rover and really like impressed everyone. Had a, had a, had a Took good it game. on well. A few good games. Mm. Yeah. Uh, round 18, again, Essendon surprised Fitzroy in the final round of the season. If you remember, we shocked them at the end of last season. Yeah. To knock them out of final contention. 19-point <laughs> win. The big highlight of the game being the clash between Hayden Bunton and one of his eight Brownlow challenges, Dick Reynolds. But Moz will hear more about that later. Yeah, to be we? continued. Um, in other off-field news for the team, in August, the president of the club, F.F. Campbell, criticised the selection committee in the media. So because of that, he was ousted from the role after a bit of a to-do, uh, and Arthur Showers took over, um, a man who would play a very major role for the Essendon... Uh, sorry, he was a man who played the big role in moving Essendon from the East Melbourne cricket ground to Windy Hill. Oh, there you go. Okay. Hmm. And that, that was the, uh, the, the Bombers. That's yeah. the Bombers. Not, not the Bombers, though. The Dons. That's the Dons. The Dons, same yeah. Old. All the same old, yeah. And... Scray mm. was the next best team in this season. Six wins, 12 losses, a percentage of 85 on the dot. Mm. Lowly ninth. So uh, <laughs> captain coach to start with by Bill Cubbins and then that role was taken by Albie Morrison mm. uh, and their lead goal kicker was Albie Morrison with 46. Yeah, um, so some debutants called Ted Trim, include Ted Trim, and Percy Jackson. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, he's all right, yeah. that kid. Yeah. Yeah, I like him. <laughs> um, so they were searching for a new coach. They had 19 applicants. Among them was Jack Greenwood from Castle, Maine, who offered his services. Footscray wanted Jack Baggett, but Richmond wouldn't clear him. Yeah. Uh, LB Morrison was the only playing applicant, and ultimately Billy Cubbins was retained. And he considered making a playing comeback. He hadn't played for a while. Um, he was, however, one of only two players in the team who had been a play when the flick pass was a thing, a rule yeah, yeah. before it changed in yep. the 20s. Uh, so round five, Billy Cummins made his comeback against his old side St Kilda 19 years after playing his first game for the Saints <laughs> in 1915. Um, however, it was a disaster. The yep. Saints won this game by 71 points. Footscray fans were not happy. Guess what they did? They sacked him. 
Well, Saturday, not even Saturday. that. This is even probably worse. The following week, 500 fans turned up to training to boo Cubbins as he trained. Oh, <laughs> as he trained? As he trained. Jeez, that's vicious. Yeah, so he ultimately resigned as a coach yep. and a player stating he was like he was getting out like a man, but he was, but he was going with regret. Um, some players wanted him to continue as coach, but the committee thought, nah, we will best yep, to. Yeah, start as again. As they always do, just get rid of him. Don't let him. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah, always make those decisions. Albie Morrison was replaced him as captain coach. Alan Hopkins was vice captain. Uh, the team then lost to a winless Hawthorne with many players commenting that they were sick of the infighting and didn't care if they won or lost anymore. Yeah, so well. state of affairs at Footscray. Uh, round 14, Footscray's 28-point win over a hapless North saw a pittance of a crowd. The gate takings being £4.15 shilling. <laughs> God. So much so, the club had to use money put aside for the second end-of-season trip to pay players. Well, yeah. poor seconds. Dire uh, All in all, a sad season for the Scray. Um, however, we look, if we look at their 10 years in the league, they have a winning percentage of 39%. Looking very with good. With zero wooden spoons. Yeah, so there you go. Mm. Much better. And if we remember, of the three teams that came in, they were the most success- successful yep. and most promising. They'd, they'd been premiers. They beat Carlton, didn't they, the year that they came in? As in, before, in the pre-season, before they came in. Ah, uh, something like that. And yeah. Maybe beat us and then in some games as well. But yeah, I'm pretty sure they did that. I don't remember. Yeah. I'm, I think you might remember, <laughs> funnily <laughs> enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kaz, I reckon eighth place has your name on it. Oh, well, I just reckon, we, I reckon uh, you, should, you should do all of them. But I'll do it if you want me to. Okay, come yeah, on. Yeah, come on, Kaz. In eighth place, Fitzroy with seven wins and 11 losses, a percentage of 95.7. See, it would be better if you did. <laughs> so, I think that was beautiful. Uh, <laughs> captain coach to start with by uh, Cashman. And then ca- then Fred Davies took over as captain and Len Wigraff took over as coach. Uh, their lead goal kicker was Len Apple Pie with 39. Oh. Len Pie, yeah. Yeah. His nickname's no, Apple. Of course it is. <laughs> I thought it was fully um, Apple Pie. Yeah, I thought he just made that up. I was like, I was um, stunned. This, this just reminds me of a quick funny story. We paid someone to transcribe our very first podcast episode. Well, I paid someone to, to transcribe it. Um, and I'm pretty sure they called, they wrote Kazman as Cashman. Cashman, they did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cashman. So well done on captaining Fitzroy that year. Yeah. Cashman. Yes. Um, I need a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> um, debutants were Jim Steigenberger <laughs> and Brian Goodhart. Oh, yeah. Good on him. Um, Alex Sloan had to retire as the club president due to ill health. Alex Sloan being a former champion of the, of the Maroons, mm-hmm. premiership captain. Um, with well-renowned racehorse owner Ozzy Porter taking over. You heard of him? Good. I haven't, I haven't. Um, and newly retired Jack Moriarty became treasurer. So really this season's about you know, how do they replace their goal-kicking machine, Jack Moriarty. Um, obviously, Frank Marr wasn't retained as coach um, with Cashman taking over. Round one, they had a nice, comfortable 11-point win over North Melbourne at home. Round two, following a four-goal loss to Footscray, Cashman stepped down. So they lost in round two. Cashman stood down because he felt that the club members were not behind him, and he was ultimately cleared to go and play at Carlton. Yep. In his place, Len Wigraff was appointed non-playing coach with Fred Davies taking over the captaincy. Um, and this infighting saw them then lose the next two games. But in round five against Carlton, including ex-coach Jack Cashman, team struck a surprise victory, taking down the Blues by 15 points. Um, Which gets us to round round eight. A story you're going to tell us about Fitzroy in a game against South Melbourne, Charlie. Yes. One of my uh, my favourite things I've ever heard, this (laughs) one. Um, 
the ruckman Colin Benham scored scored a goal called the in off the small boy goal. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> what do you mean? So so Benham, Benham took a mark just with seconds to go in the game. Um, and he went up to line line up his kick to kick for goal. Is this the belt? Sorry, is this this is to win the game? As no, well? no, 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 no. It okay. was yeah. So I think they only lost by eight points. Or, uh, yeah. Not, so not it wasn't. Yet, but the game, the goal the, wouldn't have won them. The, the game. goal wouldn't have won them the game. The goal, the game had, was but, done. A goal number. It was South Melbourne's. Yes. But he was going. You know, percentage is important. Mm-hmm. It was it was <laughs> one goal that kept us out of the finals a couple of years ago. Casey, if you remember. <laughs> um, so he goes back, he starts his run up, and as he's running up, the siren rings. And a few young fellas... A lot of young fellas. ...jump over like. the fence, excited about the fact that, you know, the game's over, they want to get out there and congratulate the players. As he kicked it, it was an errant kick, it wasn't his best, even though the ball size had changed. Came in low. Came in low, yep. fired off the boot, low and left, and one of the young men running out to congratulate the players got smashed in the face... And it rebounded off his face through the goals. So it was going out for a point. It hit him in the head <laughs> not and came back. Player. Not touched by a single player. Didn't touch the ground. I don't yeah. think. No, not at this stage. Doesn't matter anyway. No. <laughs> but so the umpire had no recourse but to say it was a goal. No player had touched it. <laughs> no. Yeah, it could have been so, like if a bird flew. Yeah, exactly. It, so. so in off the small boy. Goal. There you go. Fantastic. One of the greatest stories I, I, going, I like I going around. Yeah. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't blame you for uh, liking that. South one. Melbourne's winning margin was reduced to nine points. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I wonder if they changed the rules or anything because of that, or if that's. I just, good point. Surely yeah, I, like that, that'll never happen again. No, but what <laughs> happened? That, um, I remember Brisbane games in Carrara. There was a, there's a photo. There's a. And in um, night games, there's been players milling around other players. Are they sorry? Fans milling around players if they've had shots after the siren. Yeah, yeah. So, so if it go, comes off yeah. them, yeah. Yeah. yeah so or, or if like you just try and punch it through. I mean. Yeah. Did anyone deliberately come on there now? Yeah. Or could you kick it into someone's hands and they kind of run it through and throw it through the goals? <laughs> Think, yeah, the ghost goal. Yeah. <laughs> Someone could run through. And- yeah. 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 Um, all right, so round 12, Apple Pie kicked eight goals in a 44-point win oh, over North Melbourne. Delightful. Um, round 15, before this game, which was a loss to Melbourne, Melbourne President Joe Blair presented a silver cup to Fitzroy winger Doug Nichols to celebrate his clean and clever football against the Demons in their first meeting of the year. Oh, I like that. Mm. And That's the season good. ended with another shock loss to Essendon, as I mentioned. Hayden Button, however, playing one of his best games ever, according to him. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was Fitzroy's yeah. season. yeah. Another season. I mean, so many great players. We mentioned it last year. So many great players, and they just can't get it done. No. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Moving on. All right. Seventh spot went to St Kilda with a nice even Stephen nine wins and nine losses and a percentage of 95.8, only 0.1% more than Fitzroy had. Yeah, so uh, captain coached by Colin Watson. This is their fifth year in a row of having a new coach. No, Colin Watson was their coach last year. Was he? Yeah. He or was did brought he fi- in by the new committee. He finished, sorry, he start. yeah. But he didn't start the season the year before. I was going to say, is this the start? Um, season. Oh, no, it was Colin Dean last season. Colin so Dean, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. Ooh, so, God. yeah. So, five years in a row of a new coach for St Kilda. Six, mm. actually. There you go. Yeah. Uh, their lead goal kicker was Bill Moore with 66. 
And uh, some great news for St Kilda. They had a new grandstand at the Junction Oval. Oh. That's very exciting, isn't it? Yes. And they opened it in, uh, in great standing. Right. As we, I'm sure you'll, you'll speak about. Their huge score... Oh no, I haven't. Oh, no, you so can talk about that. They, yeah, so oh, that they uh, they kicked a huge score at their first first game with the new grandstand. They oh. kicked 22, 23, 155, their highest ever to that point. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. What round was that? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> early on. Early on. It must have been an yeah. early, early season game. You've got to assume that that's a big 22, deal. 22, 23. Yeah, there you go. Round five. Round five. Yeah. Um, all right, I'll. So, debutants include Earn Penny. <laughs> That's good. And J- Jack Lake. Um, in February, club vice president uh, McKechi moved that club president Arlington Burke be suspended for making statements detriment- detrimental to the club. However, he refused to retire and said he would hand over the club's financial records if he was. He was then suspended by the club. <laughs> Um, new recruits for the team included uh, big men from WA brothers Ryan and Arthur Rattel and South Australia's Clary Courier and Pat Hartnett. Sam Lloyd came across from New South Wales as a fine fullback and Doug Raymond came from Sandringham. His nickname was Pies because he had an enormous appetite for meat pies. Love it. Um, so <laughs> really following their fellow Albert Park team in South Melbourne in terms yeah, of recruiting. Yeah, the Foreign players. Legion. Not, not sure what they're doing in terms of payments or jobs. To mm. keep them here, but yeah, um, they lost their first two games, which included a four-point respectable loss to Richmond. They really hit their stride though with that big win against Fitzroy, wins against North Footscray and Melbourne. Billy Moore helping himself to twenty-two goals across that stretch. Uh, mid-season as well, Billy Cubbins would return from Footscray after being booed out by the club, and he'd, he'd <laughs> I coached can't the twos. That. Um, <laughs> So St Kilda would go on to win nine games for the season and they'd consider the season a success. Um, but really, their season was about beating up on the teams below them and then being beaten themselves by the teams above yeah. them. Um, and that was St Kilda, unless you've got anything else. Nice, that was it. Yeah. Mm. All right. Melbourne. The Fuchsias. The, de- no, the Demons, the demons now. now. Oh, the Demons. That happened last year or it this did. year? Yeah, last year. year. I missed the last year yeah. one. Last year. That's go Dees. It's available for download on uh, or where you get your po- podcast, Anna. Yeah, That'll certainly. be what yes. I'm doing this evening. Well, the Dees fin- also finished with nine wins and nine losses and a percentage of 97.2. So, uh, captain by uh, Cole Niven and coach by Checker Hughes again. The lead goal kicker was a new debutant, Jack Mueller, who started this year. Um, and a couple of other debutants this year were a Maurice Gibb, who started in round five. Isn't, Maurice Gibb. Is that a yeah, BG? Yeah, a BG, yeah. <laughs> I think it's like... Maury Gibb, isn't it? Yeah, it's... Uh, very like close. I see, not, it was he, O-R-R-I-S. Maur- it, it was, was like Morris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was Maurice. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Maurice. Very close. Yeah. Uh, close enough. Um, and a young man who we'll hear a lot more about soon, Alan LaFontaine, started that year. He kicked nine goals in his second game for the Ds. Also, Um, Len Smith. Yes. Jack Jack Mueller. Yep. And Bert Taylor. Bert Taylor, yeah, exactly, yeah. So So there's plenty. And I think they're big names in terms of Melbourne history, are they not? Absolutely. Absolutely, there's a few in there. And you think about the few who've come the few years before and maybe some who are coming next year and I'm getting excited. (laughs) Um, God, you guys are going to be unbearable, aren't you? Yeah, Yeah, it's so unbearable. (laughs) Surrounded. It's, um... Speaking of Mueller, um, there was something that I read about him this year. He was almost done before he began. Oh, no. Um, 
in that first year, I don't know exactly when, he lost two fingers in a work accident in a cardboard a cutting machine, oh, carton-making machine. Um, and he came back wearing a glove oh. in 35 and oh. was as reliable as ever. Wow. So there you go. Yeah. Do you know which two fingers? This. Not sure. There was a killer player who was missing some fingers as well. There was, wasn't there? Yeah, he lost he them in a car accident, right? No, he cut them off uh, like in a belt store. Oh. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. Classic. Yeah. yeah. Um, Kazman, you're going to tell us a little bit about Alan LaFontaine? Tell, tell us about the great man. As you said, in his second game, nine goals. Um, so the, he's, they said an inauspicious debut, but this player go, goes on to be an absolute champion. Um, so uh, I, I, do, I, I know you mentioned the, the Führer. <laughs> Before, but, um, um, that's a, that's a, a callback I wasn't expecting. Have their future interrupted by the the war. Ah, uh, yes. Starting to loom. Um, anyway, but uh, he gets a lot of great football in before then. Um, so Lafontaine uh, played full forward. He was. Um, th- there's an interesting story about how he ended up in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, so, because we're probably going to talk about him again. But this is this is a good one. Um, so it was a. Everyone knew how great he was. He had been doing really well um, with the old Paradians. Mm, yep. Did I say that right? And um, University Blacks. Okay. So there, he booted 247 goals in 24 matches. Ooh. So pretty consistent. <laughs> what? Um, That's insane. Um, so everyone kind of knew about him. And um, he was at university. And um, uh, he lived in um, Footscray. So Footscray really wanted him, and and um, they were pretty sure they were they were going to get, get him. him. Yeah. And so Lafontaine showed up um, at Melbourne training, and they're saying, and uh, so he's training with them. Everyone everyone's like, "What gives?" And they're like, and Melbourne's like, "Oh, we'll, we'll get something." <laughs> what gives? Out. And because because he was boarding at Melbourne, um, he said, "Well, I live there most of the time, so that's." Oh, and he's that's boarding how, at Melbourne <laughs> University. <laughs> yeah. Ah. And, and that's how they ended up getting him. And um, yes. it was all through the papers. <laughs> and uh, fourth grade were That merge is finally paying the off. The profs. Yeah. <laughs> it's working out. <laughs> and they're absolutely spewing Footscray. Um, sorry, Footscray. So, uh, look, I, we could probably leave it there. Um, uh, he serves in the army. He's an absolutely stand-up bloke. I think he also um, tries to be a Melbourne coach. Yes. Um, he win- won the BNF um, in a few years' time. Um, yeah, uh, otherwise great player. So, I mean, what do we want? Do you want some stats? So, premiership player, um, uh, best and first winner many, many times, was selected um, to play for Victoria this year. So ah. In the first year. And um, life, uh, Hall of Famer, life member. Great you man. Know, you name it. Yeah, whoa. He's done it. Alan Lafortaine. Um, I've been looking forward to this uh, actually since we started the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, good good stuff. Good times. Yeah, I mm. could tell Kaz you smiled the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you remember at the start of last season, they cleared out a yep. heap of experienced check it, players. Check it. It got rid of thirteen of them at the start of last year. Yeah, yeah. a few more retired. So they, they were left at the start of the season with twenty-two players to start building their new side from. Um, the rebuilding process allowed 13 new players to debut this year. Yeah. Um, round two against Hawthorne. Second game is LaFontaine and Mueller dominated Hawthorne with 16 goals between them. Uh, in their second game ever. Unbelievable. Melbourne won by 89 points. Uh, with the addition of four goals from Percy Beams, um, it was the first time in league history that 20 goals have been shared between three players. 
Love it. And as Hawthorne's six goals were shared between two players, it meant 26 <laughs> goals were kicked by just five men. Oh, <laughs> That's really good. I like yeah. it. Um, round three was Melbourne's 500th VFL match. Yes. Hey. Um, and who did Melbourne seem to play in these historic games? Collingwood. No, Geelong. Yeah, you're right. They played Geelong yeah, in sorry. their 150th. Yeah. And what happened in that game? We got belted, didn't yeah, we? it happened here as well. Yeah. Okay, uh, 39 point loss to Geelong <laughs> in Geelong. He <laughs> set you up for that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It happened here too. <laughs> but not this time. Oh, wait. <laughs> um, now, round five, we talked about uh, the 10-goal first quarter blitz by North Melbourne. Yeah. Um, the Ds uh, were down by a lot. That's 10 goals. Well, eight probably. <laughs> oh, so it was 10 goals, two to two goals, three at quarter yeah. time. Um, but then the Demons used the wind in the second quarter to mount their biggest ever comeback from a first quarter deficit. Must have been a hell of a win. Um, so <laughs> it was 47 it. points down. And then they, they then kicked eight goals to two in the second quarter. So game on by half time. Um, quiet third quarter, which saw the Demons then 20 points down at three quarter time, but uh, they came back. Uh, they did, however, kick a total of 28 behind. So oh, they kicked good. 15 God. goals and 28, levelling the record for most points in a match. Um, winning the game by two points, having kicked two less goals. <laughs> so the final oh. score was North Melbourne 17 goals, 14, 116, to Melbourne 15 goals, 28, 118. 15, 28. That, that is, is crazy. Outrageous. That long ball isn't working. Um, round seven, they had a win over Footscray. Kelly, LaFontaine and Beams were the best. Football record claimed Beams made probably the most spectacular mark by a small man ever seen in league football. That's right, come Sorry, sorry. That's great, man. Uh, round 10, Melbourne bested Essendon by nine points. Yeah, we did. During the match, the club organised a prize for best barracker. Yeah, oh, well, did we didn't this oh happen man, last year no, as well? We discussed it. Oh, we did discuss it. Yeah, yeah. Podcast um, with stewards, <laughs> stewards in the crowd judging the supporters on their witty and apt criticism, but taking points off them for insulting remarks against umpires. I like ah. it. Mm, the best Barracker award was given to Mr. L Cross of Brunswick, winning a trophy and a monetary prize. Oh man, ah. that should bring that back. Yeah. A, it sounds a bit high school though to me. Yeah. <laughs> Just imagine them walking. Oh, here's some witty banter over yeah, here. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> That's quite funny. Yes. Uh, there's good banter, right? Yes. Uh, round 12 was perhaps Melbourne's best win of recent times against Richmond, despite kicking a woeful 13 goals 23. Um, it was the first time in the season that another team had kicked a century against Richmond. There you go. Yeah, the eventual premiers. Uh, round 16, Melbourne kicked 11-24 in a win against North Melbourne. Eric Glass kicking five. Oh, Tarzan. Is he that he? Yeah, that's Tarzan him. Glass. Tarzan yeah. Glass. <laughs> um, and an emphatic 66-point win over Footscray saw the Demons end their season in a much more successful way than the previous. They are definitely on the up and up. Yes, well, they, they are. come. Jeez, we were very errant in game. front of goal. And yeah. I looked at the final... Um, like if you look at the ladder, errant. They, they kicked... 237 goals, 248 behind. So, it oh, actually, it doesn't sound that bad. No, but there were obviously a few games that mm, just cooked it. Yeah, and then I mean, St Kilda kicked more points. Yeah, 293. So they weren't the worst in the league. There's a few other teams who North mm. 316 behind. Yeah, yeah, that's a big bummer. Yeah, 45 percent accuracy, whereas Melbourne were 49 percent accuracy. Yeah, mm. okay, mm. which so wasn't. Yeah. Wasn't too bad. Lafontaine was good enough to go into the centre as well a little bit, so maybe a little few little moves, get a few changing things up. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. 
All right. This is my probably my favourite part of the ladder. It's when there are more goals and more wins than losses. <laughs> <laughs> Carlton won two-thirds of their games, 12 wins and six losses, and ending with a percentage of 116.3. And, yes, I did plan that maths for the last five minutes. Well <laughs> yeah. And that's quite – if you look at the percentage jump there from sixth place to fifth place, that's almost 20%. Yeah, yeah. huge, isn't it? That's mm-hmm. the, the difference between the top five teams and, and the, bottom the bottom eight. Yeah. It's huge. The yeah. bottom seven. It's Five huge. seven, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a ama- yeah. Mm-hmm. You can see where the gap really lay. Mm. So poor Carlton just missing out on finals. Um, Captain by Mori Johnson and coached by Dan Minogue this year. Their lead goal kicker was Mick Crisp with forty four. Yes, um, new recruits included the centreman Jim Francis, who had been a Hawthorne player since nineteen twenty nine. He'd kind of retired and decided he was going to play baseball. But guess who his postman was? Dan Minogue. Stop. Yeah, he's like, no, no, come play footy with us. So they did. Oh. Um, mid-season, Newton Chandler uh, raided the VFA club Brunswick, signing defender Frank Twinkletoes Anderson, <laughs> Dave Arell and Wally Mutima, who would uh, be prominent for the club for the next few years. Um, and there's a few highlights in here, but the big one we'll get to is round 10. Round 2, 45,000 people were at Princess Park for their clash with South Melbourne. Huge. Players put on a hell of a show and the Blues held off the Swans by three points. Huge. Um, in round four, it was a tough match against the Black Cats. Carlton held on for a 10-point win despite ending the game with only 16 fit players. Uh, injuries started to mount, however. Um, lots of random injuries. We've got uh, kicks to the face, broken cartilage, broken ribs. Uh, not helping that in round five they had that loss to Fitzroy that we talked about. Um, but the big one to get to is round 10 yeah. against their bitter rivals, Collingwood. Mm-hmm. Um so the wind was quite strong in this game and the game started off quite rough. Um, Collingwood and Carlton had played in a few finals recently with Carlton actually winning those finals yep. and knocking Collingwood out. The umpire that day was umpire Scott and because of a lot of rough play early on, he considered uh, calling the game off. Instead, he called the captains in and he said, look, guys, cool down, talk to your team, stop, just stop all this argy-bargy, stop this biff. Um, halftime went. Nothing much was... You know, th- things were still boiling. No yeah, yeah. massive issue yet. Um, it was ready to Lita go. Lita Collier though. had been running a bit of a muck. Um, some interesting plays where he... Umpire Scott kind of played... Blowed the whistle to stop play. Uh, Sid Coventry picked the ball up and kind of lazily ran in and kicked the goal and the umpire did nothing. Um, what a fuss. Carlton kind of were really angry about this. So he, co- he counted the goal. Oh, yeah. Geez. In the third quarter, however, things came to a head. Sid yeah. Coventry, playing in his 222nd match, was oh. knocked out after an altercation with Carlton's Gordon Mackey. Yeah. Oh, Sid gave him a bit of a whack to the neck, and Mackey responded by brutally walloping Sid to the point of unconsciousness. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, so Sid Coventry was being stretched from the field, and a vicious brawl broke out involving 20 players. Basically the entire yeah, field. Yeah, <laughs> requiring the assistance of team officials and the police to break it up in which 10 players were seriously injured. Uh, three players, three Carlton players were reported. Gordon Mackey was charged with striking. Yep. Harry Maskell was charged with striking. Norm Lebrun and the Carlton captain, Murray Johnson, was charged with kicking Jack Ross. Yeah. So Gordon Mackey obviously was the instigator hitting Sid the first time. That's what yeah. he, yeah. And I'll get to that in a second. Many of those who had attended the match were astonished that no Collingwood player had been reported for their violent behaviour during the match. Uh, to and Carlton, bring it to that Carlton point. Carlton fans were furious. About it, yeah. Mm. That it had only been Carlton players reported. 
Um, following this, the VFL Tribunal found that both Maskell and Mackey guilt were guilty, and they served six matches each, which seems quite lenient compared to some yeah of the, what we've like seen Tommy in the Down past. Recently. Yeah, exactly. Um, the hearing was actually postponed a week so that uh, Coventry could attend. Yeah. Although because he'd been knocked out, he claimed he couldn't remember, remember. any of it. He kind of yeah. just remembered playing and then not playing. He actually had a fractured skull. Said Coventry from this Whoa. and would miss four games. Um, the charge against Johnson wasn't sustained. Um, he was not satisfied that he kicked Ross deliberately, so they sustained this. Um, so, although field umpire Bob Scott was fortunate to escape sanction for his widely attested incompetence, uh, one of the goal umpires, Percy Jory, and both the boundary umpires were suspended for the remainder of the season for their dereliction of duty in relation to the brawl yeah. and allowing this to continue. So just mm-hmm. poorly looked after the entire time. Yeah, so, I mean... You'd think the field umpire would be the one who'd cop the cop brunt it. of this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but he does not, and he will go on to umpire the grand final. You're <laughs> kidding. Uh, yeah. Really? That's oh, ridiculous. Yeah. And just finally, the game was en- ended up being won by Collingwood. Um, uh, six, 60, 95 to 65, so a five-goal win there. But, yeah, absolute, the mo- one of the dirtiest games ever. A blight yep. on the game, it was called. Mm, sounds like it. I mean, I can only think of that other... Was it, a, was it a grand final? But Carlton were involved? 1910. Carlton yeah, Carlton Collingwood, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the two again. Yeah. <laughs> um, the only other things I'll mention is later in the season, Soapy Valance was dropped because of bad form. Uh, he was dropped to 19th man. He ended up coming on anyway, but that was kind of the kick up the bum he needed. Yep. Well, I was, yeah, he, I mean, for him to be dropped on form, I mean, he's kicked basically all of Carlton's goals for yeah. the last sort of five years. So, <laughs> And then round 13, 14, and 15, Carlton played South Richmond and Geelong, all teams in the top four, and they lost to those three teams, yeah. and that ultimately meant they missed Didn't the make finals. finals. Yeah. yeah. Um, and finally, the club introduced the Robert Reynolds Best and Ferris Cup for the yes. Best and Ferris player. Uh, which would be renamed in 2004 to the John Nichols Medal, but it was the Robert Reynolds Cup for a long time. Oh, okay. Because uh, Robert Reynolds was an administrator, so they thought in 2004 it's better to name it after a player. Player, yep. Rather than an official. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, we have made it to the teams who have made finals. Top four. The top, top four. four. The top four. Finals. In fourth place um, was Collingwood. They had 13 wins, four losses, and one draw. Uh, Yes. So I'm going to say the same thing I think I've said for the last, what, (laughs) 10 years now? No. (laughs) No, longer than that. Well, Captain Sid Coventry, Coach Jock McHale, lead goal, Gordon Coventry with 105. Jock McHale's been their coach since 1912. It's outrageous. Five. 22 seasons? But that's, uh, that, that whole thing, captain, coach, lead goals has been the same for at least the last has, five, yeah. six years. Oh. It's insane. Um, so a couple of things changed off the field for Collingwood this year. They stopped playing. Before this at Victoria Park, they'd played uh, curtain raises, which were baseball games before yes, their games. lots of clubs had. Yeah. Uh, but they started having schoolboy curtain raises yes. this year, which actually led them to picking up quite a few uh, good players in the future through this. Um, one of their great debutants was a man by the name of Alphonse Kine, or Fons Kine as they call him. That's right. And we'll hear a bit more about him soon. Mm-hmm. Um, the football club gained a bit more control over Vic Park from the cricket club as well this season. After the council forced both uh, to mediate, they forced the cricket club and the football club to, to sit down and talk. Football club ultimately gained a bit more power over the cricket club which was kind of a major victory for them yeah well um, it was kind of the way the way it was at this time like well the money's coming in probably mostly from the football from, teams 
Yeah. Yeah, well, but I think the cricket clubs were just as big. Like, yeah, local cricket clubs were, were pretty it? massive at this stage, yeah. Okay. Mm. Hmm. There you go. Um, so other debutantes included Jack Knight and Alec Fife. Uh, but Fonz Kind is probably the one we want to hear about. Yeah. That's right. Tell well, us about him. This is what I know about, um, uh, excuse me, Fonz Kine. So um, we, we mentioned, um, uh, I was talking about another player before. It turns out that um, Fonz Kine was almost a Melbourne player. And he played the old Paradians as well. Oh. And with St. Kevin's. Uh, and um, they, his father took him down to, to Melbourne. They didn't want him. And he, so he went to Collingwood. Yeah. And ironically, as a youngster, he had often kicked football on the street with Norm Smith. <laughs> now, one, one of the things about Fonz is that he, we, you spoke about Jock McHale. Um, the, it, Fonz takes over from John McHale, Jock McHale. So that's in the future. And actually, after the war, um, Fonz kind has another a bit of football left in him and he keeps he keeps playing quite well and uh, obviously goes on to be coach so he's a he's quite quite a quite a legend yes um, magpie legend uh, center half forward um, and uh, goes on to be um, a, a really well respected ruckman um, and actually they say that um, he's the one who uh, had the best taps and the best uh, sort of um, palming down to the players oh yeah and um being someone that played with Lou Richards, um, that uh, you know, they were saying that um, Lou Richards got silver service almost his whole career because of um, Fonz Kind. So you you can't say you know how good Lou Richards is without mentioning. There you go. So um, that was it was great reading up on him. Um, nine big V appearances Ooh. from 1936 to 48, and he captained the successful 47 Carnival. So anyway, we'll probably talk about him a bit more. We certainly will. Uh, it should be mentioned that he kicked. 29 yeah. goals in his first year, which is actually the second most behind Gordon Coventry. Oh, there you go. Yeah. In his first year. Sorry, did yeah. I just say second? Yeah. Yeah, so I, prob- I probably didn't cover half of what there mm. is to say about him. So after round one, they lost in round one to the reigning premier South Melbourne, <laughs> but then it was kind of business as usual with convincing wins over Essendon and Hawthorne. Uh, they knocked off highly fancied Richmond by 28 points in round four before they had a draw. Uh, which was in round five. In this game also, which was against Geelong, Gordon Coventry kicked his career thousandth goal. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, making him the first player to reach this milestone. Um, game was a bit of a cracker though, actually. It would be... Collingwood jumped out to a comfortable lead early, but Geelong reeled them in. The final quarter was described as a mesmerising game with Geelong adding five goals four and Collingwood six goals two. Neither team deserved to lose, so the final result was described as doing justice to the type of game it was. Oh, good. Mm. Um, we talked about round 10 in that dreadful yep. game with Carlton. Um, another part of that game was Gordon Coventry charging from one side of the field to the other to remonstrate with Mackey after knocking out his brother. Um, around 15, Richmond knocked the Pies off top spot in this game, coming from behind to win by 11 points. Uh, but another, another season of finals for Collingwood after missing out for a few. Yeah, that's it. They're back. Back where they think they Back belong. Back in the seat where, yeah, where they <laughs> think they belong, exactly. <laughs> All right. In bronze position, South <laughs> Melbourne. 14 wins, four losses, and ending on the highest percentage of the league this year at 140.2. Mm, and that percentage mm. is because of one man in particular. Uh, so the Foreign Legion, captain coached by Jack Bissett again this year. Their lead goal kicker was Bob Pratt with 150. 
Whoa. <laughs> yeah, let's just let that sink in for a minute, shall 150 we? 150 goals. goals in a season. Which is a league record. Yeah, still. Yeah. Only equaled once, but never surpassed. Oh. Unbelievable. Um, um, so continue. So, no, yeah, please go for it. Round Start. one. Uh, we have Mrs. Crofts helping to hoist the flag at Lakeside Oval. But no curse. <laughs> no curse. The curse actually hasn't struck since the mid-20s. Oh, so it's not really a curse. It's just a fact. It's just so, a thing so that it'll happens. It'll come, it'll be back. It'll come back. Um, 38,000 people crammed in to see the Swans taking down Collingwood by 35 points. With Pratt shaking off any lingering doubts about his... Uh, he, only, he only trained twice in the preseason. That's out. right. And he, oh. he almost didn't play in the grand final last the previous year with his... He said he was hurt. Oh, yeah, and then he got... Off and then and, he, he, he... Incentive. Yeah, he was... Um, he recovered amazingly when they offered him money. Yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, they kicked him... They, he kicked you know, a lazy eight goals. Um, and nothing gave South fans more delight than seeing Pratt soaring above the packs. Oh, uh, round two, Pratt kicked 10 in a three-point loss to Carlton at Princess Park. His last kick being a goal after being awarded a dubious three, free kick. Round three, three against Essen and Bob, Kratt, uh, Bob, Kratt, Bob Pratt kicked 15 goals, Anna. 15. 15 goals at Lakeside Oval. <laughs> oh. An all-time record haul for this ground. At one stage, he kicked 13 goals straight. Jeez. In the fourth quarter, he kicked six goals in eight minutes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the adrenaline. Many thought he'd erase uh, Coventry's record of 16 in the game, but Essendon resorted to thuggery. Uh, of course, they kind of records against us. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Um, at the bell, fans rushed to him and carried him from the ground. Uh, the members' enclosure echoed with applause. Um, and this 15 goals would be a Swans record until 1995 when it was broken by. Sorry, mm-hmm. say that. It was a record until 1995 when it was broken by whom? What was the record? 15, 15 goals. In a game? Yeah. Wayne so Carey? For South Melbourne. Oh, for South Melbourne. Okay. Oh, for Let me ask it. the question again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes. 15 goals would be a Swans record until 1995 it would, when whom bested this? Tony Lockett. Correct. 16 goals against Fitzroy. Yeah. Yes, it's because he was looking at you. He would have looked at me. It's yes, Charlie sorry. becoming the new Kaz. Yeah. I, no, was, no, I no. was looking ahead. Yes, you were. I, I caught myself. I was thinking about putting on my wet weather clothes and started <laughs> round, round six, uh, their back-to-back dreams looked a bit shaky when the Tigers smashed them by 44 points. Mm. Oh. Um, Pratt only kicked four goals. Which, I mean, in today's game, would be a bag. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but compared to 15, he yeah. got held. Yeah. It's 11 goals less. Yeah. Um, round seven, their coach was in South Australia looking after the state team, and the Black Cats made it back-to-back losses for the Swans, besting them by 31 points. South would then go on to win nine in a row. Well, yes. So around. after round eight, yeah. they went on to win nine in a row this year, but it actually started a... a run of 24 straight victories at Lake Oval. There you go. There you go, which is still a record. Well, because no one plays there anymore. Well, I, yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. No, still a record for home games, I think, for the Swans. Okay. Yeah. Round nine against North Melbourne, they would put on a clinic, winning by 92 points, Pratt kicking eight, Nash kicking seven. Oh, yeah. poor North. Uh, round 13 and 14, the Swans beat Carlton and Essendon respectively, with Nash kicking 11 in each. Sorry, with Bob... Pratt kicking 11 in each. Uh, then in round 15 against Fitzroy, he, Footscray, he kicked 12. In the third quarter of the Carlton game alone, he kicked eight, <laughs> <laughs> including his 100th of the year with a left foot snap. Oh. Uh, round 17, Richmond brought them back to earth with a six-point, uh, beating them by six points, consigning the Swans to finish without the double chance. Um, 
Nash was missing this game. Laurie Nash was missing this game through suspension. Yeah. One of the reasons they lost. Um, but God, let's just marvel at Bob Pratt. Yeah. It's um, outrageous. I've got kind of his tally here of goals. So he kicked, in, like, in terms of a frequency chart, he kicked uh, six goals three times, seven goals twice, eight goals three times, 10 goals once, 11 goals twice, 12 goals once, and 15 goals once. <laughs> I mean, that's record. It has an average of seven a game, which yeah. is a feat still not equaled in a season. No. That's, yeah, that's unbelievable. records are because of the amount of rounds, like less rounds. By the time Peter Hudson got to it, there was more rounds in the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and although records are inaccurate, it's believed he kicked 94 behinds, which is a total of 244 shots on goal. Um and he also received the bonus 50 pounds for breaking the for every goal. record. Um, the fans led a fundraiser called Bob In For Bob with uh, fans being encouraged to donate a shilling as thanks to their star goal kicker. I love it. Um, and finally, South's, uh, their four for this season, which was 2,187, was a record in an 18-round season. Yeah. Not equaled until Geelong in 1989. There were a lot of... Uh, when we had another big goal kicker. Yes. Uh, there were a lot of... A lot of very high-scoring teams this year, though, God, as well. That would be great to watch, yeah. wouldn't it? <laughs> um, it? Speaking of, as you mentioned before, Russell Holmesby talking about this sort of stuff, he mentioned that this year kind of linked in with the creation of kind of Hollywood heroes and things. And so these guys Pin-ups. who were... Yeah, who, was, who were the big forwards, started getting posters and pin up and mm. being pinned up on the wall and treated like the, the heroes that we know them as now. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing, I don't know whether we're going to mention the can- the, the state games we'll or anything. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. all right, yeah. we'll come to that. Wonderful. Silver. <laughs> Here we go. Pointy end, Silver Geelong. They finished with 15 wins, three losses, and the one draw that was against Collingwood, um, a percentage of 135.4. Mm. So, captain by Reg Hickey and coached by Arthur Coughlin. Again, their lead goal-kicking kicker was Jack Metherill with 45. Uh, one of their debutants was Lou Daly. Um, I mentioned him. He, not a big name. He only played that one season. But the reason I mention it is he kicked 10 goals in his very first game of VFL football. Oh, what a dream. Yeah. Oh. 10 goals, two. Yeah, unbelievable. And then didn't do a hell of a lot. Yeah, he only had 14 kicks for the day. Yep. 12 of them scoring 12 of them shots. scoring shots. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. Um, yes, yeah, so he actually had played seven games the previous season. Oh, had he? Seven games he for was seven de- goals. Debutant this year. Yeah. Um, and that was a 26-point win over St Kilda in round one. Round two, Geelong had a seven-point win over North Melbourne. Defender Rupert McDonald suffered a gash across his nose in this game. Um, the, the trainer like kind of padded this up to stop the bleeding, but at halftime, he laid down... Um, on the bench and uh, teammate slash doctor Alex McGregor closed the wound and gave him two stitches mm. his fellow player his teammates good on him yeah uh, <laughs> round five um, one of the observation ob- sorry one of the observers in this match against Collingwood the draw we talked about yeah was a Mr. W. Alexander who was a war veteran so he himself, along with 11 others, were able to watch this game from various cots and beds positioned around the ground. Nice. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, following their, Essen, their round six loss to Essendon, the Black Cats won 12 on a trot, uh, including round seven. They had a 29-point win over reigning Premier's South. Um, they also beat up on fellow top aspirants Richmond by 22 points, Carlton by 25, and Collingwood by five points. 
Then in round 17, they avenged their earlier loss to Essendon with a resounding 116-point win at Cryo. <laughs> that is resounding. Jack Metherill kicking six. And round 18, South Melbourne knocked them off in the final round by seven goals. Um, this loss bumped them from top spot, meaning Geelong finished the season in second. Yeah. Because they'd been on top mm-hmm. for a, a good a while, majority. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're feeling really good. Knocked off the perch. See how they go in the finals. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so there we go. Top team, Richmond, 15 wins, three losses, a percentage of 121.3. Unbelievable. Gold yeah. Mm, gold. So <laughs> captain coached by Perce Bentley again. Uh, their lead goal kicker was Jack Titus with 80. Skinny. Yeah, skinny. Skinny Titus. <laughs> uh, as you said, they only lost the three games for the year. Uh, Collingwood, Geelong and Melbourne. Mm. So mm. let's just, you know. So who did you say the coach was? Captain coach Perce Bentley. Yeah, so he hadn't coached them the previous Sorry. Season. No, he was captain the previous yes, year. Yes, so yeah. he... He was the new coach. Yeah, previous yeah. coach was Billy Schmidt. That's um, right. And if you remember in the grand, uh, in the finals, there was some criticism that he'd asked players to rest up for the grand final. Yeah, yeah. In which they'd ultimately lost to South Melbourne in that qualifying final, and then they lost Floyd the grand final. Yeah. So he was out, and they had a kind of list of different um, people to come and take over. That included uh, Jack Baggett, Alan Geddes, Dan Minogue's name was thrown up again, um, and ultimately... Bentley was elected the coach in 34. Mm. Uh, round two, they uh, they had five injured men on the ground but managed to defeat St Kilda by four points, even though the Saints tried to fight back and steal that from them. Round three, Richmond defeated Carlton by 37 points at Punt Road Oval before 37,000 spectators. Uh, the capacity of the ground's embankments was increased to carry an additional 5,000 people for the game. Um, Richmond players could actually hear Dan Minogue, Carlton's coach, scolding his players through the partition at halftime as well. <laughs> Um, and a it seems like a streaker held up the game as well. Yeah, <laughs> uh, a, a spectator held up the game as he entered the field to tell the umpire what he thought of him. Oh, good. Uh-huh. Not sure if it was umpire Coward or who it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, round four, Collingwood were the first team to beat Richmond in the season, beating them by 28 points at Victoria Park. Then round five, Richmond got some revenge over South Melbourne with a comfortable 44-point win at Albert Park. Oval smashed uh, the Tigers claiming top spot from this but then they would lose top spot in round 9 to Collingwood and they'd slip as far as third place that's how tight the top was um, and then round 12 they came from 25 points behind in the final qu- sorry round 12 they played Melbourne they were up by 25 points Melbourne came home with a wet sail to win by six points. Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. Um, with the loss, meaning Richmond slipped out of the top four and this would be Checker Hughes' first win against his Tigers since, since leaving them Oh, yeah. Round 15, Richmond defeated Collingwood by 11 points at Punt Road Oval. Round 17, Richmond would then come back from 24 points down at halftime to beat South Melbourne by six points. Uh, it would be labelled their greatest win of the season by the Richmond Guardian. And a crowd of between forty and 42,000 were at Punt Road to witness this. In the final game of the season, round 18, Jack Skinny Titus kicked two goals against Hawthorne, taking his season tally to 69, which bettered Doug Strang's club record of 68. He'd finished the season with 80 goals all up. And Richmond reclaimed top spot in the ladder in this game, defeating Hawthorne while South Melbourne defeated former ladder leader Geelong. Um, And that was the Tigers. That's the Tigers. That was the season. It's interesting to mention there, obviously, uh, the Tigers took out top spot with a much lower percentage than Geelong or South Melbourne Mm -hmm. because they didn't necessarily kick as many goals. I know Titus kicked quite a few, mm. but they actually shared it around a bit. And you can see there, they've actually got 
the low out of the top four, they've got the lowest points for. Yeah. But they've also got by far, apart from Geelong, by far the lowest points against. So their defence was extremely strong this year. I know that was something that um Purse Bentley was really big on. Yeah. On making sure their defence was really solid. He oh. sort of set the whole team up from the back line. Yeah. Mm. And that's how it all worked. Oh, yeah. I love that. Mm. Um, yeah, and I, I just saw you know, 15 wins. It doesn't seem like a hell of a lot, but um, there's only one game between, really. Yeah, half a game. Mm-hmm. Half a game. Um, half a game after. So yeah. that gets us to Big Red's roundup. Yes. So let's uh, let's cross to Big Red and have a little bit of a listen to what happened around the country. Big Red's local footy roundup for your state and suburban football action, sinking our teeth into grassroots football. G'day, Kick Team and valued listeners. Welcome to Big Red's roundup for the 1934 season, giving you a taste of football from around this great country. First up this week, we take a look at the VFA, where North could have gone three in a row to claim the 1934 VFA Premiership in a massive 61-point victory over the Coburg Football Club. Coburg also claimed a three-peat in the 1934 Grand Final, being that it was the third Grand Final loss for them in a row, all of them against Northcote. So probably not a stat they like repeated very often. There were massive disputes in the VFA before the start of the 1934 season, as a result of the league wanting more games to be played at a central location and a VFA ran ground of the, motor, of the motodrome, which was changed actually to Olympic Park in June of this year. This was contested by all clubs as well as local councils who were thinking about the effect of local businesses, but also for the strong football uh, cultures and games that were played and they wanted them to stay local to the grounds and the teams that they belong to. Uh, but also having the home spectators cheering their teams on. So the dispute went on for the entire season. The grand final was played, planned to be played at a neutral venue for the first time, and people were really angry. Uh, But in a strange turn of events, bad weather on the day of the grand final saw the game postponed to the following week. But Olympic Park, the ground the game was originally uh, staged for, was not available. So local councils were fed up with the league, and they wouldn't make any grounds available for the game. So the only space left available for the 1934 grand final was the Royal Melbourne Showgrounds Arena. Now, the Showgrounds Arena was not usually used for football, and arrangements were um, decidedly were, were makeshift. The, they, were, they had short goalposts, faintly marked lines, uh, and, and inadequate dressing rooms for the players and, and umpires. And due to the remoteness of the location and even more poor weather on the day of the, of the rescheduled game, uh, an extremely meagre crowd of 2,000 people turned out to watch Northcote versus Coburg, with the final scores being 19-16-130 to Coburg's 10-9-69. In somewhat happier news, the association abandoned their plan for the regular use of Olympic Park as a central ground for games during the season, and teams and councils, councils, local councils returned to playing football where the hearts of their clubs belonged. Now back to the football where Northcote forward Frank Seymour again led the way for the team with 130 goals for the season, breaking his own 1932 record of 122 goals. This man really was a goal-kicking machine. Uh, We'll miss Frank in the 1934 VFA season as he heads across to Fitzroy in the VFL uh, for his second stint in the competition after spending two seasons with Carlton in 1927 and 28. For the second season in a row, Uh, The VFA competition had two league medals. 
Now, Danny Waugh from Preston won the Recorder Cup, polling five votes ahead of Jim Downing, Down, Downling uh, from Brunswick and Edward Hyde from Paran, uh, both equaling second on, with four votes apiece. Now, Jim Dowling from Brunswick won the Association Medal, polling 34 votes in front of G Smith from Preston, uh, who was second on uh, 23 votes, so a big win for Mr Jim Dowling there. Uh, over to the Sandful. Uh, in, in a great football story, Glenelg have won their first premiership since their foundation in 1920. And their first Sandful season was in 19, uh, since their foundation in 1920, sorry, and their first Sandful season, which was 1921. Now, not only that, but Glenelg hadn't made a single final series in that time either, which covers 14 seasons of football and spent many of those seasons with only a handful of wins and stuck right at the bottom of the ladder. So here we have a young team finally getting some success and making the finals in 1934. But if that wasn't enough, they make the grand final and play against powerhouse side Port Adelaide, who had won 10 premierships uh, by this stage in, uh, in 1934. And the game was a high-scoring one, and it was a nine-point win to Glenelg uh, in front of 30,000 fans at the Adelaide Oval. Uh, which is pretty impressive, considering they hadn't played finals before and playing in front of 30,000 fans at Adelaide Oval against a massive team. And to win by nine points, tremendous effort by the Glenelg Football Club. The final scores in that game were 18-15-123 to Port Adelaide's 16-18-114. Ken Farmer from North Adelaide uh, won the Gold King Award for the fourth season in a row with 106 goals in a team that missed the finals for the first time in five seasons. Uh, making the 1934 Sandville season even more poetic, George Bluey Johnston from Glenelg won the McGarry Medal with 40 votes and an outstanding individual performance. Uh, and as well as this, Bluey was also awarded the best player in the ground for his team in the grand final. Uh, Bluey was a Glenelg man through and through, starting at the club in 1927 and playing up until the 1940 season, winning three best and fairest and representing South Australia on 16 occasions as a mobile leaping ruckman. Over to the Waffle, uh, West Perth have jumped back into the Premiership winning list with a big win over East Fremantle at Perth Oval in front of 11,000 fans. The win was the sixth Premiership for Wests in their history and the final score for the match was 11-7-73 to East Perth's 5-9-39. As disappointing as the grand final loss would have been for the East Perth side, the season was still full of many lofty heights, all of which from champion forward George Doog or Doig. During the 1934 season, Doig, who was 21 years old and only in his second season of waffle football, managed a record-breaking goal-kicking tally of 152 goals for the season, a record which stood for many years. The 1934 waffle season will be forever remembered for its unprecedented goal-kicking success of two dominant forwards, and despite some exceptionally wet Saturdays, Spearhead's George Doig, as previously mentioned, and Ted Tyson from West Perth both completely smashed previous waffle goal-kicking records. In round 17, Tyson kicked a record-breaking 15 goals in a match against Claremont Cottesloe. Then, only two weeks later, Doig kicked 19 goals three in a match against the same side. Could you just imagine being the fullback for Claremont Cottesloe during that period? Uh, it would have been horrendous. Now, Doig continued his hot form the following week with 13 goals against Victoria Park. 
Uh, Tyson finished, Ted Tyson, sorry, finished the season with 143 goals to his name. And George Doig, as previously mentioned, a massive 152 goals for the season. Both Doig from East Fremantle and Tyson from West Perth played off in the 1934 grand final with spectators piling in to see the two spearheads go head to head. However, in what was a windy day for football, both men failed to kick more than a couple of goals each for the match and was a bit of a um, anticlimax of sorts. In other waffle news, the Sandover medal was won by Sammy Clark uh, of bottom of the ladder side Claremont uh, for the second year in a row in only his second season at the top level and still only 20 years of age. And finally, in the VAFA, the VAFA, Old Scotch have gone four in a row, winning the premiership against Uni Blacks by eight points. And guys, that wraps up Big Red's Roundup for the 1934 season. Until next time, kick straight. Thank you, Big Red. Well, <laughs> well there you go. We, we thought um, Bob Pratt was doing well. <laughs> That's outrageous. What was that? George Doig. No, he, he kicked 19, 19 goals in a game. That's outrageous. Bit, was there one game where he kicked more than that? No. Uh, there was, I think he, uh, there was another game where, not a, not a state league game, like a lower league. Where he kicked game. 24 or something, something wasn't something it? Something ridiculous. Yeah. Like that, yeah. Insane. Yeah. 20, tw- yeah. Something ridiculous. Thank you. Thanks, Big Red, for uh, yeah. filling us in. Cheers, we, mate. We thought we were uh, all over Bob. Bob Thanks Pratt. for yeah, yeah. really making the VFL yeah. not so great, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's uh, get to the Brownlow Download then as well and hear from Moz. The Brownlow Download with Moz. All right. This year was quite a controversial Brownlow win. A lot of people thought that Hayden Bunton was going to take out his third win in a row. Surely, too. He would have told you as well. No, not in a row. No. He skipped one last. It'd be his third, though. His third. Yeah. Um, However, there was a bit of controversy in the last game of the season when Bunton's team, Fitzroy, played uh, Dick Reynolds' team, Essendon. Mm -hmm. Essendon, Mm -hmm. And Bunton scored five goals, played a phenomenal game. All the newspapers predicted he would get the three points for that game. However, just after the siren, uh, Bunton spoke to the umpire and he boasted. He said, I played played well today, ump. I bet I've got the three votes in the bag. (laughs) Now, when I read that, I sort of thought, oh, that's a bit funny, a bit of banter. Bit cheeky. The umpire did not agree with me. (laughs) And Bunton did not receive three votes for that game and ended up losing to Dick Reynolds in the Brownlow vote by only one point. Oh, so he got the two? No, he, uh, I don't think he got no, 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 I don't. No, I, I think he missed out completely. Yeah, yeah. He, gave, he just gave them all away. He gave them all away. No. I know. So uh, he hasn't even just stuck him by one. He's given him nothing in a game <laughs> that he obviously starred in. Yeah, yeah five so goals in the rain. I can give you the Brownlow votes for that game as well. Please. So Bruce Anderson of Essendon got three. Uh, Horry Dawson of Fitzroy got two and Chicken Smallhorn got one. Okay. Oh, so Taylor didn't yeah. even get one. Who? Uh, no, Reynolds, Reynolds didn't even get one, get one. sorry. No. Didn't yeah. need him. He already had his he 19. Already, he was already yeah. sorted. <laughs> yeah. So less about Munton, more about Dick Reynolds. Dick Reynolds was only 19 years old this season. Won the Brownlow. And Dick Reynolds was the only teenager to ever win the Brownlow. To date. Wow. I know. Huge. Um, Huge. He was henceforth nicknamed the Dark Horse <laughs> b- because newspapers all over 
Just almost assumed that yeah, Bunton, Bunton was, was going to win. Get it. Yeah. Yep. Um, he won with 19 votes and Bunton with with 18, and then yeah. there were three who finished all on 17. Yeah, it was Jack Regan of Collingwood, Keith Shea of Carlton, and Ray Martin. Ray Martin. Good on him. Mm-hmm. Just before he got into TV. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> before he started styling his hair yeah. so perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> um, Reynolds also won Essendon's Best and Fairest this season. Um, and according to my sources, he went to great lengths to study Hayden Bunton off the field. Did you read that we too, Timmy? We talked about this last season. Oh, yeah, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going, going to, to watch him at work. Going, going to Gibson's. watch him in the yeah. department store. Yeah. So fantastic. Um, it seemed to work for him this season. Yeah. Him and all the ladies. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Watching Hayden. Unbelievable. I've got a quote here from Bunton. When he when he won, when he found out that he won the Brownlow, he was at Essendon's annual dance. Yep. Um, and he said, I went to Anzac House in Collins Street on Brownlow night for an Essendon club dance. During the night, they came and told me I'd beaten Bunton by vote and I nearly fell over. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently the ladies really... We're very appreciative of him for the rest of the night. Is that right? Oh, yeah. So I read. He would have been dancing all night. <laughs> he w- oh, he would have loved it. Nice. Now, the only other thing to mention before we get into finals is the state game. There's yes. A big state game. Um, well, there's a few state games. Earlier in the year, South Australia beat Victoria in Adelaide at Adelaide Oval. Uh, and the Vicks really wanted to get revenge oh. on the Crow Eaters here. Um, so they played an, a return game at the MCG later on in the season. Um, yeah. Quite a spectacular game as well, if you were there. Very, very high scoring. I wasn't, but I wish I was. 30 yeah. goals, 19, Victoria scored, 199 to South Australia, 94. Huge. Um, More than... Now, you can imagine the forward line would be unbelievable. Yeah. Um, Bob Pratt, Coventry, Billy Moore, all these big goal kickers. Yeah. Um, Bob Pratt, unfortunately, was unavailable. I think he was ill. Yep. Or, you know, state games, they always come, come with some kind of injury. Yeah. Um, and... After the first quarter, Billy Morse and killed a star player. I think he broke his he finger. He broke his finger, yeah. Um, so they moved Laurie Nash from the centre, centre half, half back. Oh, he was playing at centre half forward at this stage. Yeah. Uh, he's swinging around there. Yeah. Uh, so he kicked he kicked two goals in the first quarter, so he knew he was a, he could play half forward as well. Yep. Uh, they moved him to full forward. Yep. He, and he's he got kicked, his bearings a little. Yeah, he kicked four goals in the second quarter. Two. Two in the second quarter. Two in the first, two in the second. Yep. So had four goals by half time. Four goals by half time, yeah. Um, he then went berserk. He went in crazy. The second Kaz. half. Was he, he went he kicked 14 goals, two. <laughs> in a to half of football. the game That's with 18 right, goals, three. I'll tell you what. You know what's stopping Laurie Nash from kicking a, kicking bags? What? Bob Pratt. Yeah. Absolutely. Get him out of the team. Absolutely. <laughs> Nash is our man. Um, it's unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. 18 goals. So him and Fred Fanning, eh? So, yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's only Fred. We don't worry about Laurie. <laughs> it's a whole different thing. Um, it's only a state game. So he kicked out of a 30-goal haul, which is huge. He kicked more than half of them. That's yeah. outrageous. Outrageous. Oh, I love um, it. Who did Nash play for again? Second. South Melbourne. South Melbourne. Yes. It's part of the Foreign Legion. He yes, bought, bought across from, South, from Tasmania, right. even though yes. he was born in Richmond. Test cricketer. Yeah. This guy. The great man. Give me that. Um, now, Thank finals. You. We'll get that final song done. Finals. <laughs> Here we come. Um, so, right, we know that um, Collingwood... No. Collingwood play South Melbourne in the first final. Yep. Third versus fourth. Geelong and Richmond, Richmond in, 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 the, in, the, in the... Well, in the second We call final. it a qualifying yeah. final. Yeah. 
I guess it's the qualifying final now. Yeah. Well, they did call the second semi-final. Yes. yes. Um, so, first game, South Melbourne versus Collingwood, 22nd of September at the MCG. In front of 52,000 people. Wow. Um, quite a game. Collingwood jumping out early. Yeah. Um, five goals, three to one goal, three. Holding Pratt and South Melbourne to one goal in the first quarter. Yeah. For a high-scoring team, this is pretty incredible. Um, however, it would be errant kicking that would cost Collingwood this Absolutely. game, ultimately. In the third quarter alone, they kicked 10 behinds. That's it. From 10 That's scoring shots. all they kicked, yeah. yeah 10 straight. Um, while South only added two goals, two, but it was enough to get them back in the game. Um, South took out the win from here, Collingwood playing gallantly, um, but Bob Pratt would kick the winning goal with the last kick of the game from 45 metres out. Mm-hmm. So Collingwood ended up on 9.21.75. Including 3.15 in the second half. Yeah. To South, yeah, well, yeah, that's it. To South Melbourne's 11.12.78. Three-point loss. Three points. But you know what close and, and bad finals losses do to Collingwood? Especially yeah. Especially Jock McHale. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that that takes us to one week later for the yeah, what we would call the qualifying final now. Yep. Yeah. Uh, in front of 35,934 people, Richmond played Geelong and put them in the ground. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I think it was Rich, uh, Geelong's height was a bit of a factor where they couldn't yes. play in the, in the wet conditions. Yeah, they, um, they had, what was it? I think it was it's six blokes over six foot. And a couple just under as well. When yeah. when you think about those days, that that's a lot of big men. Mm. Yeah. So there's only six points. There's a goal in it at half time. Yeah. And then Typical Richmond at this start, just home. And yeah. that goal was kicked in points. We should say yeah. it was five ten to five four. Yeah. So on the scoreboard, clearly dominating. Yeah. And then they've gone on to slam fourteen goals to uh, two after half time. <laughs> so be eighty four point winners in thir- in front of thirty five thousand nine hundred and thirty four spectators. Um, and the league would also receive complaints that Richmond players appeared after halftime in motley uniforms. Yes. We might have to ask Percy Bentley about cert- that later. We certainly will, yeah. Um, and their final score of 134 points is a club record score for a final. Big score. Huge yeah. score. Huge score. Which takes us to the prelim. The prelim final. Geelong versus South Melbourne. Yeah. The Black Cats versus the Swans. That's it. What's going to happen here? So rain fell early. Where's your money? Um, well, if only. <laughs> according to Grey Sports Almanac, <laughs> that looked, rain fell early, and this was great for the league because they'd taken out rain insurance earlier in the season, so they made a heap of money out of this. Oh, How do you do rain? What's rain insurance? Uh, if, you, uh, if it rains, you can take out insurance against it, so you, if you're going to lose gate takings, you, you know. Brilliant. Yeah. Well played. Um, look, Geelong kicked the first two goals of this game before South came alive, um, and South took a two-goal lead into quarter time. In the second quarter, Bob Pratt took a spectacular mark, uh, but his shot on goal went out on the full. Yeah. Um, and just like the previous game, Geelong fell apart in the second half. South kicked nine goals to three. They won by an even ten goals. Pratt kicked six. Bertram and Nash with four each. God. Shell shock. Geelong still shell shock from the drubbing. Which sets up a grand final rematch from 33, Richmond Oof. and South Melbourne again. Tell you what. Like Just you the reverse wouldn't... now with Richmond having the week off and South Melbourne yeah. coming off but a win over Geelong. Richmond would be, um, again, the favourites as they were last year. They'd be sweating bullets at this stage, yeah, I imagine. They, well, even though they'd beaten South Melbourne twice in the yep. season. And very comfortably team. once, but not so comfortably the second yeah. time. And so, Nash is back. Yeah. Uh, and interestingly, Nash missed the first game. 
Uh, the first final against Collingwood, but played in the second one against Geelong, and he's now in the grand final. In the granny. Yep. Um, umpire was Bob Scott, who was the umpire from the Carlton Collingwood. The terrible Fiasco one, yeah. Earlier in the season as well. Um, but look, we can prattle on about this, but why not hear it from the uh, the captain coach himself? Absolutely. Personally. Let's speak to Purse. Uh, Perse, can you hear us? Loud and clear. Lovely to speak to you again. You too, guys. Very happy to be speaking to you again. Now you're back on top. How does it feel? Look, we're shattered about last year, so it's just brilliant to know we could get back up and get it done. Now, we're talking about this season as one of the all-time classics. Would you agree with that? Well, after our result, absolutely. (laughs) But seriously, it was a great season all around. Goals rained down like confetti from all over the place. But for us, even though Titus kicked to heap, we focus lots on our defence, and I think that's what got us there. Uh, You're, of course, talking about O'Neill, Sheen and Bolger in the back. The three musketeers, of course. But the other fellas around them, McCormick and Baggett, they're a great unit at shutting down the opposition forwards, really looking after each other and backing each other up. (laughs) Look, it's funny, though, those three are the ones underneath Pratt in that famous photo, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, but remember, Bob only got three goals that game. Great point. Something very easily forgotten, Perk, um, Purse. Um, well, now, we've had a chat about uh, the unbelievable backline. How about those forwards? We heard something about Jack Titus putting the opposition off and uh, that we weren't sure um, that it could be true. Yeah, Skinny is an interesting one. He loves to lead out at, a, at the goal square, which gives me plenty of space when I'm resting up forward. But I suppose you're talking about him spinning. Yeah, he's got plenty of cheek, that's for sure. <laughs> he loves to spit on his opponent's boots during the game, just to put them out a little. Oh, yeah. Then you had Doug Strang, O'Halloran and Baxter on the half-forward line. Yeah, they were fantastic ahead of Skinny, and uh, Baxter was unbelievable in his first year. The only other newbie to break into the team this year was Harris, who has been brilliant all over. He's been a brilliant rover. Yeah. Uh, look, so before we talk too much about the game today, let's talk about the season proper. Uh, another great one for you fellas. Yeah, we were very happy finishing top of the ladder. Only dropping those three games is something we're really proud of. There was definitely a bit of fire in the belly last year. After last year, sorry. Um, so Collingwood, Melbourne and Geelong were those three games. And apart from that, you guys looked unstoppable. You mentioned 33. How did you feel coming back up against the Swans in round six? We felt confident in our ability to shut out Pratt and really work solidly as a team. And it worked. I think we ended up winning by 44 points. Yeah. So. yeah. And then getting them by six on the return match must have felt just as good. only thing that sounded a little was Doug Strang hurting his knee a little bit. Oh, of course. So that left you guys sitting on top of the ladder with two chances at the grand final. First one was against Geelong, I believe. How did you feel going into that match? Yeah, pretty good. We seemed to tower over them. Plenty of tall fellas in our lineup, as you know, and the conditions were sodden, which seemed to help us. Uh, you mentioned those conditions there, Purse. Was that the reason for the strange jumpers <laughs> after half time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we only had training jumpers to put under our short sleeves. Um, someone called us a pack of Rosellas, I think. <laughs> Not nearly as intimidating as uh, Tigers. <laughs> but hey, it seemed to work. You kicked 14 goals to two in the second half to run out 84 point winners. Uh, I think a record score for a final that time, or semi-final that time as well, and set yourself up for your seventh grand final in eight years. Yeah, it's pretty great when you put it like that, guys. Thanks. (laughs) And after South beat, um, they're still running. Excuse me. And after South beat, they're still stunned along the next week. It was going to be a 33 replay. Uh, 
Did the memory of last year haunt you a little before the game? Uh, we were happy with how we'd played all year and knew that our back line could stop Pratt. So we just thought if we play our best, we can do it. Having Baxter, Harris and Tubby Edmonds back in the side was great as well. Um, we just wished we could have got Doug back up for it as well. We were going to try and share goals around and we knew South were going for their big two options. Now, your old coach, Dan Minogue, said in the papers he felt very much the same way. Did he? Yeah, good to know. Look, so another perfect day weather-wise for the game, and you boys uh, started strong. Yeah, three goals definitely eased the nerves and made us feel confident of what we were implementing, and uh, skinny kicking four in the second kept us going. We strang the boys down back, covering Nash and Pratt pretty well. Uh, so you went to the main break 27 points up. Um, what was the p- plan from there, Perse? just to keep doing what we were doing. Shut down their big guys up front and take control of the ball in the air. Um, Judkins and Geddes on the wings taking great marks. Made sure we kept control across the middle of the ground. So now three quarter time, 60 up. Did you know you had it one? Surely. We tried to make sure um, not to take the foot off, but it's always hard, especially when you've been going as hard as we had for the last three quarters. Um, Pratt managed one and Nash got four. But even then, I think they knew it was over. Uh, You're talking about Peter Reville? Yeah, he got a bit frustrated, didn't he? Um, Did a few things I would prefer not to mention, but (laughs) let's just say it's not in the spirit of the game. I think Bolger might have mentioned it to him a bit more forcefully than that. (laughs) Um, I'm sure the tribunal will figure him out. Look, in a fantastic win like that, 39 points it was in the end, who do you reckon was best on ground, Purse? As you said, it was a real team effort, but hard to look past Titus's six goals. He was just brilliant. I can't take it away from our defence, though. In a year that was big on goals, they were the ones that I feel really made the difference. We may not have kicked as many goals as a few other teams this year, but we stopped them from scoring against us. Uh, Perth, of course, it's great to speak to you again, and congratulations on a fourth flag for the Tigers. Um, go and enjoy the... Uh Enjoy the celebrations. Cheers, guys. Very proud of all the boys here today. Beautiful. Thanks, Purse. Thanks, Purse. Easy. Um, There it is. Richmond's uh, sixth premiership, if you include VFL, VFA ones, which I know Rhett Bartlett is big on, or or four. (laughs) Their fourth VFL. VFL. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so in front of a slightly smaller good. crowd than the previous year, 65,335 yeah, this per, year. Per said, Jack Titus with six goals, which was most by Huge. a Richmond player in a final. But as we should, as um, he was very big on mentioning, and we should as well, that back line was just out solid. phenomenal. Yeah, yeah solid. They played a, a, full, a proper zone defence in the days before a zone defence, <laughs> well, I guess. Well, you've got Bob Pratt and Laurie Nash to worry about. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You'd have to have a great... The defence to, to, to look on after the offence. Yeah. Um, apparently, three balls were souvenired by spectators during this game. <laughs> and uh, Sporting Globe statistician Dave Stewart um, tallied Gordon Strang's marks at 33 for the game. God. Um, so, following the festivities and the celebration, um, Richmond players, officials, and staff had a nice dinner. And what do you think they? Where do you think their bus might have gone afterwards? They went through South Melbourne. They went through that. South yeah, Melbourne. Yeah, they did. Like just like this morning, I love year. it. Um, they then visited Richmond's three cinemas, and Dave Baxter was presented with the Hoyt Cinema Cup for being voted Richmond's most popular player. One thing um, we actually forgot to mention, and, and a player who uh, lined up 
for that grand final, and I think Perth mentioned it there, was um, Tubby Edmonds, who came across from Collingwood. Yeah, so he, he'd been the decoy. He'd been he? the decoy in 29. Yeah. Yeah, so now he's come across and won, won another. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, and look, there was a bit of fallout from that game as well. Kevin O'Neill was disqualified for four weeks for striking Peter, Peter Rebel in the grand final. Uh, but Jack Baggett was acquitted of striking James O'Meara. Uh, Peter Rebel um, would be disqualified for the whole of 1935 yeah. for striking Bert Foster. An unseemly conduct during the closing minutes of the grand final he didn't he didn't uh come off with a plum did he he did not but, um, he, uh, obviously frustration and and purse mentioned it there he was held held down by the throat yeah, yeah. Uh, by um yeah. uh, one of the backmen um which one i saw that on the boundary one time yeah. did you yeah it was so quick though i was like Bol- what should i do bulger bulger <laughs> however we say it held him down by the throat and told him maybe to to quit it, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, now, also, just finishing off at South Melbourne, despite Bob Pratt kicking 150 goals, Terry Brain won the club's best and fairest. You're kidding? Nope. So no Brownlow for Pratt, no best and fairest. <laughs> um, he would ask the committeeman Charlie McBurney about this, and Charlie said, "Look, Bob, you were spectacular, but not very effective." <laughs> It's unbelievable. We got to win this. Um, some retirements from the 1934 season. We've got Bruce Andrew of Collingwood, Brownlow medalist Alan Hopkins, George Jocker Todd, a two-time premiership player from Geelong, uh, Sid Coventry, hanging up yeah. the boots after 227 games, four flags, and the 1927 Brownlow. We will hear more from him, though, I believe. We will. Billy yeah. Cubbins of St Kilda and Footscray, <laughs> booed from the game. Uh, Jack Beveridge, yeah. grandfather of uh, Luke Beveridge. Bill Toomey of Collingwood and Hawthorne hanging up the boots as well. Jack Williams from Geelong. Francis Pop Vine of Melbourne. Yeah. And George Margatich, also of Melbourne. Yeah, Melbourne, yeah. Hanging up the boots. So we say goodbye to them. It's been great. It's been great, fellas, hanging out with you these last few years. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, Especially all those chats we had with Sid. Yeah. Jeez, he was a great Who's going to take over captaincy of Collingwood? Um, Jock's going to come back. Is he? Yeah. It's been a while. It's been a while. (laughs) Um, so let's do a bit of a wrap up. So who won the premiership? Uh, Richmond. Richmond. Ooh, well, what was it? Thirty nine points now. in the end. Yes. Yeah. It was thirty nine. Who was the lead goal kicker? <laughs> uh, it I was. Can it. Yes. It wasn't Laurie Nash. It was not Laurie Nash. Who plays for South Melbourne? Uh, <laughs> the mighty Bob Pratt with a record, one hundred and fifty beautiful. Yes. One hundred and fifty if you include finals. One hundred and thirty eight if you yeah. do not. Right. If, you, if we go by the Coleman interpretation. Mm. The winner of the 1934 Brownlow medal was Dick Reynolds. The 19-year-old Dick Reynolds. Um, Wooden Spoon. North Melbourne. North Melbourne with their Mm. fifth Wooden Spoon. And who won the seconds premiership, Jimmy? That is a very good question. I believe it was Melbourne It was. For the fourth consecutive year, the The Ds have won the seconds premiership. They defeated Geelong 108 to 76. Again, um, played as a curtain raiser to the grand final. Yes, indeed. We have Essendon with the highest score, 29 goals, 1,690. That's something to take out of the season. Absolutely. Kaz. Yeah, highest score and a brown, though. Yep. We, we, McCracken name award. McCracken, we talked about this early on. We've got Alan Coward. who takes it <laughs> by a long way. Alan Coward? Absolutely. Yeah, it's got to be, doesn't it? <laughs> Not even Jim, Jim Steinberger? Steinberger? <laughs> yeah, they go, I chuckle. Earn a I penny? Like, I like a good burger. Yeah, I love Earn Penny. <laughs> okay. That's a ripper. Yeah, no, penny. no. Go with the no, gut. Go with, your gut. Go yeah, with yeah. the gut. Earn Penny for, uh, um, for a close second. So, um, 
Um, Penny, who did he play for? That doesn't matter. Uh, Fitzroy, maybe. Yeah. Okay. That's been, it's been a great th- episode. Thanks, guys. I'm really like- good to hear from uh, you about uh, Fons Kine and yes. um, LaFontaine. And uh, good to hear, Anna. Yeah, speak, speaking about the uh, Brownlow. Absolutely. Uh, premiership tallies as of 1934. We have Collingwood with nine. Oof. <laughs> Fitzroy with seven. Did I say that out loud? Essendon with six. Carlton with five. Richmond with four. South Melbourne with three. Geelong with two. Melbourne with two. Yeah, we are. <laughs> On the board. Mm. Well, thanks very much Who for listening. Who is yet to get one? Hawthorne, Footscray, North Melbourne, St. St. Kilda. Kilda. Yeah. Yep. They'll get there, maybe. Eventually. Eventually. Yeah. Um, but yes. Collingwood was still a bit of success on the horizon as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. Um, well, yeah. Another great year, 34. Yeah. It's been delightful. The uh, Centenary Premiership. The Centenary Premiership. Won by Richmond. Yeah, it's a good one to have. Yes, it, indeed. It somehow means more. Not really. No, not no. at all. <laughs> not at all. It's not like the gold premiership that they awarded in the uh, the centenary year of the AFL-VFL. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, who got that? 97. North Melbourne, 96. Yeah, North Melbourne, of course they did. I wonder if they'll do anything in 2035, uh, 2034 for, for the, the 200, the, the bicentenary. Yes. Uh, Melbourne's for, bicentenary. For the 150th? <laughs> no, 200th. 34. 2034. Didn't it start in 1897? Yeah. Melbourne's 2000, oh. 200. Melbourne's 200. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. Something good. Yeah. They'll do something great, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> definitely planning it alright thank you for tuning in yes sorry Geelong supporters it's been great bundled out again oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) just like just like 2019 yeah Yeah. Uh, but we will see you again in a couple of weeks time indeed and we cannot wait to speak about 1935 and another fantastic year of the VFL indeed thank you for tuning in hooroo find out more about the kick to kick team and the sources we use visit our website www.kicktokickpodcast.com you can contact us via email at kicktokickpodcast at gmail.com or find us on twitter and instagram under at kicktokickpod thanks so much for listening